I'm happy to welcome you to the new series of Shurim that we'll be giving between Pesach and Shavuos on the Mem Ches Kinyane Torah. Today's Shir will serve as an introduction to the series overall and will be followed in subsequent Shurim by discussions of the actual Kinyanim, the different attributes Chazal say are necessary for and associated with the acquisition of Torah knowledge. In the standard editions of the Mishnayos, the sixth Perek, the sixth chapter of Perkeyavos, is known as the Perek Kinyan Torah. In fact, it's really a collection of Brysos, and strictly speaking, not part of Maseches Avos. As a result, you may notice, depending on which Mishnayos you're using, that many of the classical Mepharshim, such as the Bartanura, Rambam, Rabbeinu Yonah, and Tosos Yomtif, actually have no dedicated commentary to this Perek. Because, as I said, it's not really part of the Mishnayos, not really part of Perkei Avos, Mesechas Avos, but in fact was appended subsequently to Avos. As I mentioned, this is widely known, this chapter, this Perek is Kinyan Torah, because if you peruse through various brysos in this chapter, in the Perek, you will see many, many beautiful teachings that all deal with the beauty of Torah and the way to succeed in Torah study. Now, if this is actually technically a collection of Brysos and not part of the Mishnayos, and certainly not technically part of Avos, so how did it come about that it became known as the sixth Perek of Perek Avos? And the answer is it's not 100% clear uh, when it got appended, but as far as I can tell, it goes back at least to Seder of Amram Gaon, which I think is widely considered the first published Seder. And in fact, uh, it's for many, many, many hundreds, probably over a thousand years now, uh, this chapter has been known, or at least linked and associated with the rest of Perkeyavos. And the reason, as Rashi and others indicate, the reason for this seems to be because of the Minhag, which apparently is also quite ancient, of studying Avos during the six weeks, the six Shabbosos that occur between Pesach and Shavuos. Now this, of course, raises the broader question of where that minhag came from or why we have that minhag. But if we understand that, it also helps us in a very beautiful and touching way understand how this sixth chapter became appended to Avos. Two of the more well-known Perushim and classical commentaries on Perke Avos, the Chassid Yaivitz, who was born in Spain and was unfortunately tragically included in the Spanish expulsion of 1492. He studied with Abarbanel and after the expulsion settled in Italy. And as I mentioned, his commentary, the Yaivitz on Avos, is a classic, one which we will quote repeatedly in regularly throughout this series, as well as the Medrash Shmuel, the commentary published by Shmuel D. Uzida, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, who was a student of the Arizal, late 16th, early 17th century, and an anthology of Perushim on Avos, one of, if not the most famous commentary that we have on Perke Avos, um, as I said, a student of the Arizal collection of many of the great commentaries from Tzfat of his day, as well as some of his own insights. So both of these two very well-known and influential 
commentaries of Perkyovos. The Yaivitz and the Medrash Shmuel both make the point that Perkyovos broadly, certainly the first five chapters, are uh, the theme, of course, is character refinement. And the reason that we have the minhag of studying Pirkei Avos between Pesach and Shavuos is to teach us and to underscore the fundamental truth that character refinement is a prerequisite for the Kabbalah Satora, which we will commemorate and celebrate on Shavuos. But if there is this link between the character refinement of the first five chapters of Pirkei Avos and the time period of Pesach and Shavuos, so the Mepharshim explain, now we understand very, very beautifully and profoundly how it became that this sixth chapter, which is known as Kinyan Torah, which is all about the beauty and the attributes of Torah, followed the first five. In fact, it naturally flows from the first five, since the first five are about character refinement, and then the sixth is about the Torah itself. And all of this is really building on an idea which you find already in the earlier Rishonim, perhaps most notably the Sefer HaChinuch in Mitzvah Shinvav, who explains that this whole time period of Svirasa Omer, 49 days between Pesach and Shavuos, is in fact on some deep level a preparation and anticipation for Kabbalah Satora. So if this entire time period is supposed to be dedicated towards preparing for the Kabbalah Satora of Shavuos, it makes sense that the first five chapters of Pirkei Avos have been customarily studied during this time period to underscore, as we mentioned, the necessity of character refinement as a prerequisite for Kabbalah Satora. And then it also makes sense, therefore, why the sixth chapter itself, the chapter about Torah, follows, since that is ultimately the goal of all of this. We study the five chapters to get to the sixth. We study and we prepare for all these weeks in the Pesach and Shavuos in order to be able to get to and arrive at Shavuos in the proper mindset to be able to appropriately prepare for Kabbalah Satora. Okay, after that introduction, we are now ready for the actual introduction, the actual um, listing of the Memches Kinyane Torah. And as the Brisa itself introduces these, um, depending on which Mishnayos Avos you're opening, um, obviously this is in the sixth parak as we mentioned, in some uh, versions of the Mishnayos, uh, everything is listed all in Mishnavav or Brisavav, whatever you prefer, um, and others. Uh, break them up into hey and Vav. But the way Chazal introduced these Memches Kinyonim is with the following statement. Gidola Torah yoser min ha-kuhuna u-min Torah is greater even than Kuhuna, than the priesthood, and Malchus, than the monarchy. Shamalchus nikneis b'shloshim ma'alos, that the monarchy, the kingship, according to halachic standards, it can be acquired with 30 ma'alos, well, deliberately not translate that for the moment. The kahuna is be'esrim ba'arba, not 30, but only 24. But Torah, nikneis ba'arba'im u'shmona dvarim, can actually be, or must be acquired with 48. So the malchus is with 30, the kahuna with 24, the Torah is nikneis ba'arba'im u'shmona dvarim, with the 48. Now, as the Mepharshim point out, it's interesting that uh, you find this both in Rashi as well as in the Vilna Gon here on the, on the Mishnayos, that unlike Torah, which will be specified, there are 48 different uh, Dvarim which will be specified, which will be all of our subsequent series of Shurim, but unlike Torah where the Dvarim are specified, 
the 30 and 24, respectively, of the Malchus and Kahuna, in fact, they're unspecified. So the Mepharshim themselves, as I mentioned, Rashi, the Dilnagon, and others, list what these are. And basically, I think the most uh, mainstream or widespread uh, interpretations you see are when it comes to the Malchus is a collection of the various privileges and attributes that are mentioned for the king, which you can find either in Sefer Malachim, um, or in uh, the Mishnayos and Mesepta Sanhedrin. So you have either the those that are mentioned again in Shmuel, when they ask Shmuel for the king, the Parshas HaMelech, and the Torah mentions various privileges of the king, Sanhedrin. And then, of course, when it comes to the Kohanim, there are the, the Arba'im, the, excuse me, the Esrim Arba, the 24 Matnos, uh, kuhuna, the different gifts that the that the Kohen gets. So that's even though that's not specified in uh, our Raisa, but that's what presumably is being alluded to. And uh, what I'd like to spend the remainder of today's uh, Shiron is to try to understand what do Chazal mean? What did they have in mind when they said go? Gedola Torah Yoser Min Kahuna. What did Chazal have in mind when they said the Torah is greater than the Kahuna or than the Malchus? So, first of all, the Farshim point out that uh, this Mishnah seems to be working off of the Mishnah earlier in Perkiavos and Parakdalid, which mentions the three different crowns: Keser Malchus, Keser Kahuna, and Keser Torah. And uh, just briefly to mention the beautiful um, citation of that teaching in the Rambam, in Pichas Talmud Torah, Paragimel Halacha Aleph, where the Rambam so beautifully summarizes and elaborates on that Chazal, the Shloshek Sarim Nechtoru Yisrael, the Jewish people are crowned with three different crowns, Keser Torah, Keser Kahuna, Keser Malchus, Keser Kahuna, Zachab Aaron, the family of Aaron, are the ones who are privileged to inherit the monarchy, excuse me, the, the priesthood, the king, the, the bin Kohanim, Keser Malchus, Zohar David, David HaMelech and his family have the privilege of the Malchus, but, Ramam concludes, Keser Torah, Hare Munach, Omeid, Umuchan Lekol Yisrael. That's not for the privileged few, but rather the crown of Torah is open and eligible for all the Jewish people. Shnemar, Torah Tzivalon Moshe, Morasha Kihilas Yaakov. It's the Morasha of the entire Kihilas Yaakov. Yavo Anyone can come and have that crown of Torah. So in and of itself, the democracy of Torah, the meritocracy of Torah, that anyone, no matter who they are, no matter what family they're from, no matter what shevet they're from, can ultimately grab the crown of Torah. That itself, one could argue, is already an indication of Gidol Torah, Yosir Min HaKahuna, Umin A number of the Mepharshim actually make a rather technical comment, in which is that the mission itself indicates in a quantitative way, technically speaking, about the superiority of the Torah. The Medrash Shmuel, as well as the Maharal, in his commentary, Der Chaim point out that the very fact that there's a greater number of keys that are necessary to achieve that 
crown, to obtain that crown, that itself is indicative of the superiority of Torah. After all, if there's only 30 for the Malchus, only 24 for the Kahuna, but 48 for the Torah, that itself is an indication. After all, as we know in every other area of life, the more things are demanded of you, the more something costs, that itself is indicative of the greater value of that thing. So if Torah requires 48 dvarim, whereas kahuna only 24 and malchus only 30, so some of Arshim point out in a rather technical kind of quantitative way that that itself is indicative of the superiority of Torah. However, many of the other Mepharshim dig a little deeper and suggest that what uh, the mission of the Brisa here is alluding to is something more subtle and more qualitative in the difference between Torah, its value, and the way we obtain it, as opposed to either Kahuna or the Malchus. For starters, I'll note that the Sforno, in his parish to Perchiavos, points out that there's a fundamental difference in orientation between these two categories. The attributes associated with Kahuna and Malchus on the one hand, and those with Torah on the other hand. As opposed to the Kahuna and the Malchus, those various things are in fact are privileges. Kavod chaye sha'a. They bring honor in this world. They are gashmius. They are very material benefits for the Kohen and the king as opposed to the attributes that we will see for the Torah, are hefechzeh, says the Sforno. Just the opposite. They are mafrish umavdil. They are there to separate and disengage a person from the Gashmias. Not focused on this world, but helping us obtain Torah and ultimately olam haba. So in and of itself, that is the main difference, says the Sforno. That the attributes associated with kahuna and and Malchus are ones of physicality and materialism in this world as opposed to the attributes associated with Torah, which are all about the next world. A number of the other Mepharshim note, as, way, as their way of explaining the difference in the superiority of Torah, a subtle shift in language that the Brisa uses to introduce these. After all, when we, as we saw previously, when the Torah, when the Brisa, excuse me, is referring to the Kahun and the Malchus, it talks about them being nicknames with Ma'alos, Shloshi Ma'alos for the king, and 24 Ma'alos for the Kohen, as opposed to Torah, on the other hand, is nicknames Arba'im Ushmona Dvarim. We have a contrast here in the language of Chazal between the Ma'alos of Kahuna and Malchus and the Dvarim of Torah. What is the difference between those two? So, the Der Chachayim of the Maral, the Tiferes Yisrael, here on the Mishnayos, both more or less point out, very simply, that Ma'alos, as the name implies, are things in which, or through which, Ne'alabahem Mishar Ha'am. The Kohen or the Melech, through these things, the 30 and the 24 respectively, they are things which both generate as well as reflect the reality of the superiority of the king or the Kohen. To use their terms, the chashivut and the srara, the importance as well as the authority of the Kohen and the Melech. That's the ma'alos. As opposed to the drachim, the memches, the 48 drachim of Torah, that's completely different. 
those aren't things which separate us or indicate importance or authority. Rather, they are just obligations, things which are necessary if one wants to acquire Torah. Rav Matisio Solomon, in his uh, two-volume commentary to these Memches, uh, Kinyane Torah, says it very succinctly in a language uh, familiar to us uh, from the world of Lomdis in the base Medrash. He points out that when it comes to the Malos of the Malchus and the Kahuna, these are a simon, as opposed to the Drachim of Torah, or a Siba. A simon or a Siba. These 24 or 30, when it comes to the Melech and the Kohen, are a simon. They are signs, they are indications of their privileged place in society, as opposed to the 48 which we will study, the 48 Kinyanim, the 48 Dvarim, the lead to Kinyan Torah. They're not just a simon of someone who has Torah, they are the Siba, they are the cause, they are the necessary means through which a person can acquire Torah. And perhaps most famously, when it comes to this distinction between the Ma'alos versus the Drachim, the Medrash Shmuel points out, similarly but with a slightly different focus and nuance, he says the Ma'alos indicate prestige, but they're not truly genuine. Rather, they are things which are, as he puts it, chitzonim. The various privileges of the Kohen or the Melech are chitzonim, he says. They're superficial and they don't necessarily require any hard work. You can become a Kohen certainly through nothing else other than hereditary. You inherited it from your father and the Melech as well. You're from the Zera, you're from the family of David Melech. So they don't necessarily require hard work. And the privileges associated with these two positions are chitzonim, says the Medrash Shmuel. But the drachim, the memches things which are necessary for Torah, those, he says, are not chitzonim, rather are internal. And they are what he calls a kinyan gomor benavsho. A person who has these, they become part of a person's essence. And these, in Torah, require hishtadlus. And as we know, lahavdul from other area of life, if something requires hishtadlus, if something requires effort, then that is something which hard work leads to a full kinyan, true ownership, true possession of something. These other things, in a certain sense, easy come, easy go. The more chitzoni to the person. But the drachim of Torah, because of the hishtadlus, because of the hard work, it's harder to get it, but if you do, it becomes a kinyan gamor benavsho. Rabbi Lau, in his multi-volume work on Perkei Avos, the Yachel Yisrael on Perkei Avos, in the final volume dealing with the sixth chapter, he, working off of this idea of the Medrash Shmuel, just expands it or folk accents it with a different, but a sharper, slightly uh, different, but I think similar vein. And he points out that the Ma'alos of the king or the priest of the Kohen, they have what he says are no Erech Atzmi. There's no independent value. Rather, they're just indications of the final goal, the result of the process. If you become a Kohen, if you are a Kohen, if you are the Melech, as opposed to the 48 of Torah, they're called Drachim, which he says, Al-Darach Drush, I guess you could say, that indicates that obtaining Torah, it's a journey. They're called Drachim because it's a Derech. And the difference is that every step along the way, every step along the journey, is in fact valuable. And says Rabbi Lau, the lesson we can take from this is that there's no reason ever to give up, to be intimidated, to be misyaish by the big number, by 48. 
what if I can't do it all? What if I can't get all the way to the end? And the answer to Rabbi Lau is, they're drachim. It's a derech. And of course we all want to, and we will try through this series of shurim to learn about and hopefully make it easier for us to obtain all 48. But it's a derech, and the derech process itself is valuable, and each step along the way will be valuable, whether or not any one person can achieve and obtain all 48. Just to conclude with another minute or two, a final point which I think is worth noting, and that is something that a number of the Mepharshim point out, which goes back to how we began this year. We mentioned that this whole perek has become popular and became appended to Perkeavos as a way of solidifying the six weeks of learning in between Pesach and Shavuos based on the idea of this is a theme of preparation for Torah. And the, this overlays with the overall theme, as we mentioned from the Sefer HaChinuch, that the purpose of Sfiras Omer itself is to prepare for the Kabbalah Satorah. But if that's the case, a number of the Mepharshim point out, there are 49 days of Sira, and as we've been mentioning, there are only Memchef Kinyanei Torah, only 48 different ways, Drachim, Dvarim, that help us get to the uh, Kinyan of Torah, the Kesser of Torah. So why the discrepancy between 49 and 48? A number of answers are suggested to this question. With Eliyahu Lapian and his Leva Eliyahu, quotes from the Israel Salanter, that in fact, we start off 1, 2, 3, 4, we get to 48, but then the last day, the 49th day of Sphira, we need that extra day, that last day, to review them all. Highlights the importance of Chazara. We just run through them day after day, similar to Dafyomi. There's something very valuable and wonderful about the day-to-day learning, but at the same time, if we don't pause and reflect and review everything, Says Rishal Salanter, we're bound to lose them all right when we need them on the day of Kabbalah Satara of Shavuos. We have that last day before Shavuos, says Rishal Salanter, to review them. That's one explanation. In a certain way similar to this, the altar of Kelim, who was one of the premier students of Rishal Salanter, suggests with a slightly different nuance that again we have the 48 days corresponding to the 48 Memchas Dvarim, and then finally the last thing we have is the 49th day. Why do we need the extra 49th day? As he puts it, it's a way of integrating all 48 into one cohesive whole. We take one day per each of the different kinyanim, because each one deserves study in and of itself, but at the same time, we don't want to be in any way spiritually disjointed or spiritually schizophrenic. Rather, we need to see all 48 as integrating into a whole that's greater than some of its parts, says the altar of Kelm, that's that 49th day. So we can integrate all 48 into a seamless whole. A completely different answer is suggested in an essay that I saw from the, based on a speech, a shear that was given by Rav Usher Weiss. And he suggests again that the 49th day of Sfiras Omer, after we've already finished the first 48 and done all the 48 Kinyanim, what is that left for? Why do we have an extra 49th day? That, he says, is because we need to daven for Siyatah Deshmaya, for heavenly assistance that we should be Zoha to the Ketzer of Torah. Even though the Brises, the Mishnahis here in Perkei Avos are giving us the game plan, the best strategy, the best ingredients necessary for success in Torah, for obtaining the Ketzer Torah, and like anything else in life, we have to follow the experts, do our shtadlos, and that's what these 48 ways are. But nevertheless, like in every other area of life, if we don't have tiyatah deshmaya, if we don't have Hashem blessing our efforts, then we have no chance. And therefore, says Rosh Weiss, perhaps that's the extra day. A person does all the hard work for 48 days, 
and then he finally gets that last day, the 49th day, and he still may not have it 100%. He's right there, right on the cusp, that has not achieved actual success, complete success. And then he cries out in tefillah, he davens to Hashem, Hashem, please help me, I've done all I can do. Please help me get over the finish line. A reminder of that need of siyata deshmaya, of davening for our success. That is the extra day, that last day, the 49th. To conclude, I'd like to share one final answer, uh, one which to some extent I, I was thinking of on my own. And then I saw in this same essay from Usher Weiss, he also suggests an idea somewhat similar to the way Wolf formulated um, which I find to be even more powerful, and uh, with this we'll conclude our introductory shear for today. And here, and I'd like to suggest that that extra day, the discrepancy between the 48 Kinyanim of Torah and the 49th day of Sviras Omer, the discrepancy, that extra day, perhaps we can argue is not the last day, as the previous answers have suggested, but in fact the first day. The first day is the extra day. Why is that? Because before starting anything, you need to know what the purpose is, what the goal is. As we will see, many, many different, 48 different attributes that we will be studying, all of which important in and of themselves, but there's so much, so much detail that we're at risk of losing sight of the forest for the proverbial trees. Even though we get into it, we think, knowing why, it's very easy without some real dedicated intentionality to lose sight of what the purpose of the all, all is. And therefore, perhaps we can suggest that before we begin the 48, we start off with an extra day, an extra day of study, so we can remind ourselves, what is the purpose of all this? The purpose of all this is Keser Torah. And not just remembering what it is to get the Torah, but also to appreciate just how privileged that is. As the Ramam, working off of Chazal, has so beautifully told us, even more special than Kesra Kahuna, even more special than Kesra Machus, more privileged than being a Kohen or a Melech, is Keser Torah. It's the highest calling. Only if you have that in mind, only if you have that clear goal in mind, that clear appreciation of Torah, then you're ready to start the process. So that's what we have done before starting out on the 48 shurim of these 48 different dvarim. We've begun with an initial shir. 49, what will be the 49th year, but it's our first year, it's our introductory year to the series, so we can appreciate what Chazal had in mind, the history, where this parak comes from, where this brisa, where this mishnayos come from, what the purpose is to help us prepare the prerequisite for Kabbalah Torah on Shavuos, and to understand the difference and the superiority of the dvarim or drachim of Torah, as opposed to the ma'alos of Kahuna and Malchus, and how ultimately we need this extra day to review, to integrate for Siyatha But initially we start off with this extra day to underscore and to remind ourselves of the purpose and appreciation for the greatness of Torah. With all of that in mind, understanding our goal, understanding the mission, understanding the purpose, we are now ready to begin one step at a time this march, this derech that will take us from Pesach to Shavuos, from the physical Geula celebrated on Pesach to the spiritual redemption which is celebrated on Shavuos with Matan Torah, we are now ready to begin that journey one step at a time, studying the Memches Kinyan Torah.